Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of of her son in the sketch. Uh, she played the mom and I played the priest going, the power of Christ compels you. Like that was me. Well, sadly this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase. It. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world. Shoulder, shot the angel down. 
Black wolf with the bloodshot eyes stole the wild wolf's howl. The furnace in my soul can't burn enough to save. Callous towns keep on looking cold, but darkness finds a way. I What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on The Boochcast, he is the AEW correspondent, the one, the only, Gator Ricky Ross. Mr. Booch, I told you I wasn't going to be here. Why are you calling my phone? I'm sorry? I told you I wasn't going to be here. I had DND. 
the fuck? You don't even play D&D. You've never played D&D. You make fun of us for playing D&D. Yes, I do. Read the messages. Oh, my God. I got to read this shit, ladies and gentlemen. You are not going to believe the crap. That let us, let, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, let's preface this by saying I got Mr. Bugirelli really good. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I had a fuck ton of errands I had to run today. If you saw my posts on my personal social media, you know I had to take my nephew to school. He said some really funny shit. The motherfucker had a windshield wiper underneath his bed. Holds it up and says, I have a car. So, to be sarcastic, I go, well, where's the rest of it? And I swear to God, this little fucker said, you ate it. No! My nephew is a fucking savage, ladies and gentlemen. This fucking happened to me. I'm kind of proud. I am too. I love my nephew. I say motherfucker with love. So, I get him to school. I get my niece to daycare. I then have to go take another friend to the courthouse. Long story short, Vinny made a lot of money today that he desperately needed. So, I'm doing all these errands. I'm outside a courthouse because I'm waiting for my other friend to go into court because uh, she had some, you know, charges she had to deal with. So I start making my calls because I had to make a few important business phone calls today. Yes, everybody. Maria robbed a huddle house. Yeah, something like that. Um, so then, <laughs> side note, that was not who was in the courthouse. It's a different friend. Um, no, no, but I figured it would make you laugh. So anyway, It's ahead. funny. It's very funny. But I have to preface that because, you know, I don't want any slander. There's no slander. Anyway, Mr. Booger, I got Mr. Booger ready. So anyway, so I get a message from Gator while I'm in the waiting area. I'm making a bunch of business this calls. Is, this things, is fantastic. For things I can't divulge here on the Boochcast, but I will divulge them in a later date. So anyway, I get a message from Gator saying, sorry, I got D&D tonight. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what the fuck? Because I'm testing. He goes, yeah, man, I got D&D tonight. It's Dungeons and Daddies. It's D&D, but all of the characters are fathers. I'm like, this better be a joke. For the love of all that is Leonard Skinner, this better be a fucking joke, because I'm not happy this right is now. The actual time out. These are the actual text messages. The actual, yes. I am giving you verbatim the text messages. I'm reading these out. I, this is a transcribe right now. He goes, my character's name is Ron Stapler. He's a barbarian and a stepfather just trying to connect with his juvenile delinquent stepson, but he has his own problems as his own father was a drunk. So at this point, I'm fucking calling him because now I'm pissed. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? And he goes, I'm at work. But I yeah, wasn't at work. Ron Stampler, father of the year. Oh, my weapon of choice is my 2013 Toyota Odyssey. Whatever the fuck that means. Ron Stampler. It's a, it's a minivan. Ron Stampler is in a Captain Beefheart cover band and uses his guitar as a battle axe. Get it? Because it's a guitar and they're also called an axe. He also carries a pocket knife. He's kinda a badass. With a leather jacket and sunglasses, he used to drive a Mustang. So now, I'm listening to this going, okay, this has to be a joke. So now I call Gator. He's committing to this fucking thing. And as Stone Cold used to say when he was a co-general manager of Raw, I am trying very hard to maintain my composure. Because every fiber of my being wants to yell, you stupid <laughs> motherfucker, how dare you blow me off to play fucking D&D. I want to choke Gator Ricky Ross, ladies and gentlemen. I want to strangle this motherfucker, but I can't because I'm in a court area surrounded by officers. So I can't lose my mind. 
Because I don't want to get tased, okay? I don't want to upset the people who have the guns, okay? I want them to ignore me because then I lose my mind. I end up pressed against the wall getting an unnecessary cavity search. And no, they're not looking in my mouth. So this is goddamn ridiculous shit that I'm trying to avoid. So I'm literally about ready to kill Gator. And all of a sudden, this son of a bitch starts laughing. Hysterically. <laughs> I told him, if this isn't a fucking rib, I'm going to fucking murder you. Again, he says this in a fucking area with, <laughs> area with cops and guns mm -hmm. who assume we all have guns and crack of our own. Yeah. Okay. I do not want to be fucked by the long dick of the law. Okay. So I'm trying not to snap. By the way, long story short, my friend gets out of court. The judge dismissed the whole entire thing because she was too busy talking with her friends to even pay attention to what her charge was. She just stamped it, signed it, and sent her on her way. Brilliant fucking it was, it was great. She got left alone for robbing that huddle house at gunpoint. Yes, they decided not to. Back to us. I start laughing hysterically. Yes. <laughs> and I tell him what I tell you. Oh, yeah. This is the shit I had to deal with today. Cause I tell him, I go, I can't hold it no more. I'm sorry. Yeah, he tried. He couldn't hold it in anymore. He realized he was about to break character. He also realized that I was on the verge of snapping. And in an area where the, if he did snap, he was going to get arrested. Exactly. So Gator finally said, all right, all right, it's a rib. So we get through that. <laughs> I committed. I committed. I know. He committed to the whole damn thing. Like, he was determined to make me think he was going to cancel on me to do D&D. &D. Because the reason we had to put this out on a Friday is because Wednesday night, Gator had something going on with the children. And then I had to go sleep at Desmond's house so I can get up early in the morning to help take the kids to school and all that. And then from that point on, fuckery followed to the point where I had to get home in time to do this. And I had to race through everything. So it, it was crazy, but Vinny made money. Everybody's happy, except for Rochelle's because she's got double the car problems now. Because um, the person who took her um, to get the car part that she needed uh, didn't have enough oil in her car. So now they got to go fucking deal with that. So shit's just going crazy over here. So anyway, that was my fucking day. That was Gator's fucking day. Uh, I did have some good news come out of all this on my end, but I don't want to reveal it right now. I will instead reveal that at a later date. You do gotta admit, folks of the Boochcast, a Dungeons and Daddies series would not be a bad idea. Where characters are dads, and every time we make a dad joke, we get XP, and then we have to roll because everybody else takes psychic damage yeah. because it damages their psyche because they're dads, and they think that, okay, that's funny, but that's but I could have made one funnier. Yeah, or if you hit them with something, they have to do like a saving throw or something. We could throw that in there. I'm just saying, the character the idea, the adventures. We could have us trying to save our children. Yes. <laughs> yes, see? A quest. A quest. A quest, Mr. Bujarelli. A yes. long time ago, in the year 2021. 21, not 22. Or 20. If it was 20, then we, we all wouldn't be able to be in the same car together. In the year 2021, <laughs> four dads go on a carpool with their five children. Desmond's got twins. Five sons. Sons and their fathers. Anyway, they go on a carpool because the West Valley doodlers are in the football contest for the elementary school. Okay. Yes. And then we end up taking a wrong turn and we end up in a void 
Vortex, and now we're in the fantasy land of Farquad. The land of Farquad? Yes, the land of Farquad. You know who the leader of Farquad is? Lord Farquad? No, his name is Jim. Jim? Yeah, because I wasn't creative enough to come up with a better name. He hoofed, and he puffed, and he signed an eviction notice. We could do this. This would be a fantastic idea. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you think it'd be a great idea, let us know. I may even make that uh, a question in or a poll on this episode on Spotify. Uh, Do you want to see the boys do Dungeons and Daddies? And I have to be a part of this. Well, well, yes. If we do Dungeons and Daddies, you will be a part of it. Okay? By the way, Dungeons and Daddies, not a BDSM. Yes, exactly. Not a BDSM. Not BDSM. It's D&D, not BDSM. All right. We do have to get into the AEW recap here, but uh, this was a good idea. We'll uh, we'll see if the fans really want it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to commence with the recap of AEW Dynamite. This took place in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And we kick things off with MJF's Rebar Mitzvah. MJF walks to the ring with some women and kisses one of them. He insults Bret Hart by saying the crowd used to think he was actually entertaining, but Sean was much better. Uh, MJF says Judaism is the only religion that matters. And he's already had a bar mitzvah. He lost his V card there. MJF says following his win over Brian Daniels at AEW Revolution, he is Iron Man. He kicks off the bar mitzvah with some traditional Jewish celebratory activities, like, you know, dancing the hora and the chair, and they're playing the Hava Nagila. You know what was hilarious to me during this entire segment? What? But don't skip ahead of anything. Nothing. Nothing, Mr. Boudreaux. I'm not going to skip ahead. It th- it was raining outside here in Virginia. Yeah. There was precipitation. Yes. And we'll leave it at that. Jungle Boy Jack Perry crashes the party. But before he can say anything, Sammy Guevara comes to the ring. Before he can say anything, Darby Allen shows up. They all say they want a title shot. Perry notes how they last faced off in 2020 and their lives went in different directions after that. He says MJF hasn't had a match on Dark or Elevation. And he gets to do whatever he wants while everyone else has to scratch and claw for any opportunity. Perry makes it clear he wants to take the title. MJF says he, unlike everyone else, is actually a star. And the company revolves around him. Guevara says he worked hard to get where he is and he overcame a number of obstacles and he was told he was only supposed to be the inner circle's job guy. Guevara vows to be a world champion. MJF responds by referencing Guevara's past of getting into brawls. Allen takes his turn and recalls how he dropped out of school. He looked back on his road up to this point. He says there will never be a bidding war for him. Allen takes issue with the way other wrestlers, including MJF, threaten to leave because they're unhappy. He vows to beat MJF's face in if he doesn't give him a title shot. MJF takes a shot at Guevara saying he'll propose to someone new in seven months. Guevara brings up MJF's fiance leaving him. MJ admits they're the four pillars, but he's the only pillar who can hold the place up. MJF refuses to give them a shot at the title because they don't deserve it. Perry attacks MJF in a contender's brawl. MJF gets sent crashing through a table onto his cake. The segment was good. I just, I don't like Fatal 4-Way, but this is where this is going. Clearly. Clearly. I guarantee you, you're not going to get it till May. We better not. They're going to drag this along for something that isn't pay-per-view worthy? I'm sorry, but that Fatal 4-Way is not pay-per-view. Here's the thing. I agree with you to an extent. I agree. I will say this. If these are the four men who are considered the pillars of AEW, and believe me, I'm about to dissect this right now. If you're going to call these men the four pillars of AEW, if these are the four men that are the cornerstones of all elite wrestling, if that is the story you are going to sell to these people, 
people. And if these people are stupid enough to buy that, which clearly they are, then yes, this needs to be a double or nothing. Because to put that on free TV is stupid on your part. And also, I don't want MJF defending his title on free TV under any circumstances of any kind. I do not want to see MJF for free on TV because it defeats the purpose of his gimmick, which is I don't wrestle every week. I don't wrestle for free because I'm not a fucking mark. So to put him on free TV in a match kills his fucking gimmick, which I know Tony Khan doesn't give a fuck about gimmicks, but right now he should. And MJF should care enough about his gimmick that if Tony tries to get him to go against his gimmick, tell him to go fuck yourself because you got the stroke, MJF. The other three guys, they don't have stroke. Here's the thing, and this is why MJF, and I've learned this over time, has to try as hard as he does to get heat, has to go through certain depths to get heat, is because he is the only heel that I have ever seen, and Gator, feel free to correct me, but I don't think I'm wrong. MJF is the only heel I have ever seen in wrestling that when he speaks, he speaks the truth. Um, He's the only one that spits truth missiles. I haven't seen a heel. If there is one, point him out to me. But all I'm saying is... In in modern wrestling. Okay, we'll go with that. But my point is, what has MJF said that isn't true? Also, side note. Modern wrestling, who is attempting to be a heel in a show format on an actual wrestling show. Not on a podcast saying things to piss off the modern day marks. I have to say that before somebody brings the corny into it. Because let's be honest, he is the biggest heel in modern wrestling without even being on modern wrestling. Exactly. But here's the thing. I'll give you an example. He's like, they were stupid. I think Bret Hart was actually entertaining. He wasn't. He could wrestle and that was it. That's why the AEW guys worship him because Bret Hart has one thing in common with modern wrestlers. They can wrestle and that's it. Now, Bret Hart at least had psychology in his matches. I'll give him that. I give credit where it's due. But you put a microphone in Bret Hart's hand, the audience is falling asleep. And as a world champion, he never drew money. Same thing with a lot of modern wrestlers and a lot of these guys. So that was the truth. Now, whether Sean was better, personality-wise, you know, as a charisma guy, yes. But as far as who you who is more dependable, Brett wins that round. Um, Judaism being the only religion that matters. Well, as a Catholic, I got to disagree with that. But he's going with the chosen people gimmick, which is great, you know. And when he said, you're not on dark or elevation. No shit, motherfucker. He's a star. The stars don't go on dark or elevation because those are stupid fucking shows to begin with. No one should should be bragging about being on dark or elevation. The only time I've seen people brag about that is if they're working small indie shows. Then I can see you bragging about that because people will watch you on YouTube and go, okay, I'll buy a ticket to see this match in the bingo hall. That's it. But if you're trying to step to actual top guys and say, I was on elevation, like, no. No one gives a fuck about dark or elevation except marks. It's stupid. Dark matches are not something to brag about. They're the stepping stones to get to something greater. Oh my god. Now, Jungle Boy, I loved it when Jungle Boy came out. It wasn't until Sammy G and Darby Allen came out that the whole thing became a fucking buzzkill. But I was happy to see Jungle Boy. Because MJF and Jungle Boy, I will acknowledge as pillars. Sammy and Darby Allen, not even fucking close. Although, I will say, up to a certain point, I liked Sammy's promo. I liked the fact that he kind of fired up a little bit. But it was weird because he's supposed to be a heel, yet he's firing up. Don't get that shit. Uh, I thought he was doing a face turn, but then he immediately remembered oh, I'm supposed to be a heel, so he had to take a dig at the Canadians to remind himself, oh, that's right I'm a heel in the main event 
fucking moron. And then I got to deal with all the blah, 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 blah from him. I worked hard to get to where I am. I didn't kiss ass. I'm sorry. You're in the inner circle. You're hanging around Chris Jericho. You were kissing ass, my friend. And yes, you were the inner circle job guy because in the inner circle, you were the only one that wasn't relevant, who no one gave a shit about. And then when you proposed to your girlfriend in the ring and then seven months later dumped her for Ty Cunty, people realized, wow, Sammy G's a piece of shit. Then they saw his wrestling and went, wow, he has no psychology whatsoever. He's a reckless jackass. Then he had to get suspended for saying on a podcast he wanted to rate Sasha Banks. Now, granted, it was four years ago, but still, Sammy G is not somebody you can have as a world champion because he's too deplorable of a human being. That's why he's he is healed for life. Because he's not even remotely likable to anyone. He can't be a top babyface ever. So there's no point in putting him in a match with MJF. Because there's nothing Sammy can do to convince the crowd that he's not an asshole. I mean, MJF would have to be a bigger asshole in order to get Sammy to be liked. But it has nothing to do with, oh, we love Sammy. It's just that, no, MJF's such a prick that he makes Sammy look less of a prick. So maybe I can side with Sammy. That's the logic there. And then Darby Allen, why the fuck is he even out here? I dropped out of film school. Because I didn't want to conform. In fact, I'm such a nonconformist, I'm not going to conform with the rest of you. And I'm going to leave the ring. Fucking it's a dumbass. Darby Allen. the fact that this guy is over tells me wrestling's in the fucking toilet. The fact that he's still getting cheered by fans because he doesn't do anything except fucking try to commit suicide on TV. And fails miserably. How do I know he fails miserably? Because he shows up next week. Just to be clear, I don't want him to kill himself. I'm just saying at the rate he's going, he's more likely to kill himself inside that wrestling ring. It's going to be hard for me to feel sorry for him because he shouldn't be doing this stupid, reckless, pointless bullshit in the first fucking place. But if he didn't have the physique of a stem cell and this stupid emo, oh, woe is me fucking personality, there's not going to be a bidding war for Darby Allen. That's not a compliment, you fucking retard. That's an insult. No one's bidding for you because no one cares about you. So of course you're not going to leave Tony Khan. He's the only one that thinks you're worth a damn and he's got a bunch of brainwashed fans who also think you're worth a damn. When in reality, your contract's not worth the paper it's printed on. And anybody that watches wrestling with common sense knows that. Wrestling! And speaking of wrestling, we move on. And now we're going to move on to our first official match of the evening. Oh, dear God, help us all. Uh, We got the Blackpool Combat Club versus Hangman Adam Page and Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. Okay, if I cannot clearly follow who's the fucking legal man, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. And there are three men, Moxley, Claudio, and Useless, who know better. So they don't get a pass for this. I am more disappointed than them than I am the other three douchebags. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Well, what I did notice, and I don't know how much of the match you caught, but they did tag in and out quite a bit. I did see a lot of tagging happen. When it did until the end when it broke down into a clusterfuck. At that point, yes. At that point, yes, it did. It did. I will say this, though. Um, the Dark Order, I got to hand it to them. They stepped up. Yeah, they stepped up, but they need to step aside. The- <laughs> 
They talk. There's no emotion. And the only guy that has emotion, I can't see it on his face because he wears a fucking mask. Stu, Stu Grayson, who the fuck is he? Uyva Luno. Okay, he did give me a little bit. He gave me a little bit, but there's no emotion. I can't see his emotion. If you're going to put a mask on, you have to show the emotion with your entire body. However, he does not do that. And Hangman Page has resting cowboy face. I got the vibe from him. He's like, I still got a few with these fucking people. That's probably what Adam's thinking. This should have ended with the Texas death match, but it didn't. So he's still got to do this shit. But I'm just saying, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, they really stepped up in this match. Granted, yes, the emotions, not quite there. But at least as far as work ethic goes, it was nice to see Evil Uno can work somewhat. Yes, he needs drastic improvement. I'm not saying that this one match overrules all the stupidity they have done. I'm just saying I'm seeing a step in the right direction, and I'm hoping that the stuff that you think they need to do, which I agree with, will happen down the road. I'm just saying they stepped up big time in this match because they weren't comedic, they weren't stupid, they weren't silly. They actually looked like men who wanted to fight and gave you a fight. That being said, I have to ask this question, and Gator, maybe as a wrestling mind expert, you can explain this to me. Yes, I'm an expert. If, if at one point someone is down, and a person goes for a cover, and someone decides to get on top of that person or put their hands down or help with the cover, why is it when the first guy gets hit, the pin is automatically broken up? When the other motherfucker's still there? It's still a pin. Yes! As long as there's still one party who is actively covering another party. Yes, you know that. I know that. How the fuck do the people in the ring not know that? Wrestling. And that's the expertise from the expert. So, anyway, we're looking at this fucking match. And I will say, I gotta give credit where it's due. I did, up until the clusterfuck, the Blackpool Combat Club worked very well together. Moxley didn't bleed. Another fucking miracle. And Claudio was a lot more aggressive and Wheeler was just fucking there. Again, he's useless. Wheeler was just Wheeler. Stu taps out to a rear choke. They turn into a bulldog. But then the other guy's got to make the save. But the p combat club beats them down. Then all of a sudden out comes Johnny Hungy and the fucking Reynolds guy to chase them off. And that ends this abomination of a segment. So then we cut to a video package with Juice Robinson who states his intentions with Ricky Starks. Basically, apparently he wants to take out absolute Ricky Starks. Anybody give a shit? Oh, not really. Go ahead. Uh, we see TBS champion Jay Cargill makes her way to the ring for the Canadian Open Challenge. There's God, already... And so we now have that match right here. We have Jay Cargill defends the title against Nicole Matthews. Uh, apparently she's an indie girl in Canada, but she squashes the bitch, and then the real star comes out. And Gator. Yes. Who was that star? You were right, it's Taya Valkyrie. Correct. Taya Valkyrie makes her way to the ring. She hits her finisher on the minion of Jay Cargill. Uh, her name yeah, is... Yeah, Leslie or whatever the fuck her name is. Yeah, Leslie, Layla, whatever the fuck. Um, she gets taken out, and then basically Jade runs. She refuses to get involved, and apparently we now know Taya Valkyrie is now signed to All Elite Wrestling, which means one question remains. How long before the fans turn on her? Uh, it's gonna happen. Soon. Very soon. Yes. How long before the fans start 
start shitting on her because they realize she makes the homegrown people look bad because they can't fucking work. Until she ends up with the outcast later to come. It's going to happen. But I got to say, I kind of like this. Because at first when Gator messaged me, he made it like Ty came out, but she didn't wrestle. I was like, what the fuck? Now that I've seen it, I kind of like it. And the reason I like it is because I feel like they can drag this out to double or nothing. And that's when Taya needs to take this fucking title. If Jay Cargill beats Taya Valkyrie, I swear to fucking God. Now, if anybody out there is going, but we want her to be 60 and 0, then get the other six victories beforehand. That way she can be 60 and 1. Okay? Yes, but if she beats Taya, we're done with this. There will be no more AEW recap. If Jay Cargill beats Taya Valkyrie, I will then invoke the elite rule with every match she has. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to stop AEW, but we will put her in the elite category where we don't talk about that. Next, Tony Schiavone is standing by Ricky Starks, who talks about Juice Robinson and tells him to do something for himself. He tells Juice if he wants to bring the Bullet Club, he can do that too. And that's pretty much where that goes. So, I like Ricky Starks, but this wasn't a good promo. No, it sucked. Moving on. We then cut to the debut of QTV with QT Marshall and the TNT Champion. Okay, okay, okay. Let me stop you completely here. This was a waste of time. Basically, it felt like we were watching like TMZ and when the TMZ reporters sit in there and they critique what they see on the TV. It was literally that. But we will say there was an important piece of information that we do need to bring up here. It turns out Wardlow's car getting broken into was a work. QT and his band of jobbers went in and stole his fucking gear and his title and all that shit. That's why Hobbs was able to hold the title after he won in that last man standing match that Gator does not consider to be a last man standing match. So, we deal with the bullshit from here and now we move on to the next match of the evening. Fuck my life. For the AEW International Championship, Orange Cassidy defends the title against J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T, Jeff Jarrett. And he could not save this clusterfuck. This was terrible. There was no psychology. I am disappointed in Jeff Jarrett. His father's disappointed in him, and he should come back from the grave and haunt him for that terrible showing. His father is in hell right now, talking to Satan and saying, Satan, he needs to come to hell. And Satan says he's already in hell. He's working with Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt. This match, there were moments I kind of liked a little bit. Mostly because Jeff Jarrett, I'll give him credit for this at least, got Orange Cassidy to do something that he doesn't ever do. Slow the fuck down. Yeah. Now, normally when you try to get somebody to slow down, you talk to them, you, you get them to conversate. Well, unfortunately, Orange Cassidy's doesn't have good hearing. So Jeff had to, on multiple occasions, kick his leg out from underneath his leg in order to slow him the fuck down, which you notice throughout this entire match. So the psychology from Jarrett was great. I will give Orange Cassidy credit too. He is learning to sell because even though he kipped up, he hopped on one leg. Shawn Michaels doesn't even fucking do that. That's how sad that is. So there were some moments in here from a psychology standpoint that were like, okay, not bad. Then comes the finish and I'm disgusted. You have Jeff fucking Jarrett. People say whatever they want about Jeff Jarrett. You love him. You hate him. You think the guitar is stupid. You didn't like the way he ran TNA. I don't give a fuck. Jeff Jarrett? Fucking legend. Fucking star. And again, this is another scenario where AEW has legends that can still go. That can still physically move in a ring. And they have enough psychology to cover up whatever limitations they have because of father time. But yet, you don't push any of them. You make them job to indie darlings who should not be 
getting pushed because they're fucking worthless. Orange Cassidy in no way, shape, or form is a needle mover. He doesn't move the needle up. He doesn't move the needle down. He's just stagnant, which is pretty much what AEW has been for the longest time. Fucking stagnant because they don't push the right people and they continuously drop the ball. That's why this company isn't growing and isn't going anywhere. It's just doing the same shit. That's why it is laughable that Tony Khan gets Booker of the Year. And the only reason he gets Booker of the Year is because Dave Meltzer can't stop sucking his dick long enough to notice that the product is shit. He likes having the backstage access. He likes getting treated like a real journalist. Even though he is the farthest thing from a fucking journalist. He lost his credibility a long time ago. And until the day finally comes that AEW starts building stars instead of putting on a circus and gets rid of the tumbling axe, this company will never improve. It will never grow. It will just stay exactly where it is. And what's the most sad and pathetic of all is that wrestling fans are perfectly okay with that because they know what needs to be done in order to move the needle and change things. But they don't like change. They don't like improvement. They don't like seeing greatness. They like wallowing in mediocrity and they want the people they see on TV to do the same because that's what that generation aspires to be. Mediocre, exactly the same, and blend in. And that's exactly with these outlaw, mud show, never going to work anywhere but AEW because they're the only ones stupid enough to get them a contract. Piece of shit. Spot monkeys are. So now we move on to the outcasts who we were talking about earlier. Three of them come out. Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho, Tony Storm, and Soraya. Ruby offers a crowd a story talking about the grass being greener in AEW until a couple of dogs came along to piss all along the grass. What do we do with them? Soraya says we show them that this is our house and that their house broken. Soraya says the crowd is lucky to have the three of them here in AEW. Before letting Tony speak on the mess that was being an interim champion, saying she wore it with a smile on her face but none of the fans showed any appreciation. She realized after Hater beat her that none of the fans know what they want. So the Outcats are here to show them what they need and they aren't going anywhere. They talk about going through one entitled rookie after the other, but by the time they mention Hater, the champ and Baker head to the rain to go after the Outcasts. The number game, the number game quickly works out for the outcast however as they beat up hater and baker until rio makes her way out alongside sky blue and willow nightingale to make the save the outcasts leave the ring regrouping on the ramp so what's great about this is Ruby's not wrong. <laughs> she hasn't been. Again, this is why the heels aren't really heels. Yes, because they're saying everything that I've wanted to say since I started watching this program. They're telling the truth. Yes. There's nothing they're saying that is false or inaccurate. The only reason it gets heat is because AEW fans are fucking brainwashed. That's the only reason it works. The only reason. Because they are all brainwashed. They've been drinking the Kool-Aid and smoking the hopium and are under the influence that these homegrown wrestlers are entertaining when only a small, minute percentage actually belong on television. The rest of them belong in the high school gyms and the bingo halls and the abandoned churches wrestling for a hot dog and a handshake. 
But they're so obsessed with WWE having competition and they have such a strong hatred for Vincent Kennedy McMahon that they would endorse this no matter what they put on TV. Because they think, oh, even if it sucks, we have to endorse it so wrestlers can keep working. No, I want to see more businesses. I want wrestlers to always have a place to work. But just because I want wrestlers to have a place to work does not mean that I am going to pretend that I don't see something stupid on TV when there's something stupid on TV because that's just as disrespectful to wrestling. I would rather have one company create a monopoly that does wrestling right than have 50 promotions that are outlaw mud show. This is goddamn ridiculous. In fact, the only thing that I saw from the homegrown people that was even remotely believable was Rio coming out with a pipe. That is the only way anyone should back down from fucking Rio. You have five homegrown women in that ring. Only one of them has talent and that one person is not the women's champion. She's the cheerleader for the women's champion who has no business holding that title. That's the thing. The outcasts are the true talent because they know what the fuck they're doing in a ring. They're not sloppy. They're not reckless. They can make you feel without doing a bunch of bullshit to get you there. That's why these storylines don't work because again, I've said it before. I said it last week. I'll say it again. The homegrown people are acting like they built the company. You came to this company because nobody else wanted to hire you because you suck. Agreed. That's the reality. Stop acting like you all came together and built an amazing company. You came to a company because you had no other options. Because WWE didn't want you. Impact didn't want you. Fucking WCW wouldn't have taken you. ECW wouldn't have taken you. And they take everybody. Y'all have no strong baby faces of any kind. And you have to turn everybody that's good heel because the crowd boos them because they want them out of the way because it makes, again, it makes their indie darlings look bad because they can't rise to their level. That's what we do in society now. When people can't reach a certain level, instead of getting rid of them, we dumb the smart people and the talented people down and bring them down so the losers feel better about themselves. Because they don't have the balls to find a new trade. The Acclaim came out in a music video. I have no idea why. I didn't even understand it. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen, because the main event was a trio's title match. We ain't talking about that shit. Although Elvis called nope. me earlier and said, oh, it looks like the elite's getting back together. Oh, like I give a fuck about that. So, House of Black retained. Doesn't fucking matter to me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap up this recap of AEW Dynamite. Obviously, we were crunched for time. Obviously, we had a lot of shit to do and Gator wanted to rush through this because of a lot of fuckery that we went through. But here's the recap. It's pretty much what you expected. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash The Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Check out the latest episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment. The Wednesday and I did a recap of WWE Elimination Chamber. Make sure you check that out as I am praising again that I have won the Prediction Championship back. I've won both Prediction competitions. I am the King in Gold going into WrestleMania. That'll be on the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Our latest episode of Dark Side of the 90s dropped yesterday. And of course, I'm referring to UFC Part 2 to live or die in the octagon. That's right. Part 2 of the UFC. We talk about that on Boochcast Views Dark Side of the 90s. That is on our Boochcast YouTube channel. Check it out now. Also, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, April 1st and Sunday, April 2nd for nights 1 
and two of WrestleMania 39. That's right. We'll be getting together for the biggest events in all of professional wrestling. And the card, ladies and gentlemen, is stacked. In fact, we have updates. We now know officially on night one of WrestleMania, we will see on April 1st, Seth freaking Rollins go one-on-one -on -one against Logan Paul. We also have confirmation that for night two, the main event for April 2nd will be Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Cody Rhodes. We also got Charlotte Flair defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley. We've got Bianca Belair defending the Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. We got Brock Lesnar going one-on-one -on -one against Omos. We have Gunter defending the Intercontinental Championship against either Sheamus or Drew McIntyre. We'll find that out tonight on SmackDown, which one of them will get the shot. We have Austin Theory defending the United States Championship against John Cena. And in a six-woman tag match, we have Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control. And in a Hell in a Cell match, Edge goes one-on-one -on -one against Finn Balor. Join us for these big matches taking place on this two-night special event. We'll be on twitch.tv slash theboochcast. We also have a live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and a special project in the works. You can also support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WB Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So see that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content in the network, and unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You get the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring it. We used to bring in bigger name guests. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>